Thank you so much to our praise man. Thank you, Mary, and others leading us in worship. Uh, Aaron has a little too much fun when he plays the drums, but we appreciate him, and we appreciate them leading in worship today. We are thankful for our children's ministry, his kids, uh, singers, his kids, buddies. Appreciate them doing that today. Would you applaud already how the Lord has used worship today to help us to lead this throne? Yeah. That's all right. Good to see you today. We appreciate you being here. Would you find Genesis chapter 12? We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Genesis chapter 12 on your Bibles, smartphones, tablets, or whatever it is that you might have there. We'd love for you to read along with us here in just a moment. We started a new series last week. It's a five-week series on Back to the Future Christmas. He's still king. And uh, kind of with the idea that, you know, most of us are hoping we can kind of get back to the way things were that weren't able to celebrate quite like we have in the past last year, getting back maybe a little bit this year. But uh, I want to encourage you not necessarily to get back, but maybe to move forward, uh, learning from the things that have happened and hopefully uh, continuing to move forward, grow in Christ. And as a part of that, we're going to kind of look back in order to be able to move to the future. And that is we're going to look at five prophecies. We looked at the first one last week. You might notice uh, as we talked about that, we'll look at the second one this week. We'll be talking about those very things and then in some others to come. But today we're in Genesis chapter 12 and uh, going to be reading verses 1 through 8. Understanding this now is the word of God. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you, make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Let's spend just a little bit more time in prayer this morning, if it's okay. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and be in your house. We thank you already for the praises and prayers that have been lifted today. We know that you have heard each one, and they are sweet aroma to you. And We thank you that we can come together today, Father, and we come today confessing our sins. We come bringing our needs to the altar, knowing that you have all the answers and you are the hope for each one who's here today. You're the hope for the world. We pray for all the things happening in the world today. We pray for those who've been in the midst of storms, even in this weekend, Father. We pray for those who've lost loved ones, for others who've lost property. And Father, we pray that you will be with them even during these times. And Father, we pray especially uh, that uh, those uh, who do not know you'll be brought close. Others will lean on you. And we thank you, Father, for the work of many who are helps during these times as well. We pray, Father, that we'll be helped as well in all times. We pray particularly, Father, for those who are gathered here, those who may be listening online in this service today, Father. We pray that you might open our hearts to be able to hear what you'd have to say to us today. Help me to step out of the way. And, Father, we pray that you might make yourself known. And now, may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock 
and my Redeemer. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. As we started this uh, five-part series, we began looking at one of the prophecies, the first prophecy in the Bible about a coming Messiah, Genesis. Uh, we found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 that uh, one of the things that we found out is that the Messiah will be born of woman. As it talked about, the Lord spoke uh, to Satan actually and said that uh, from the woman, from Eve, we know that there would one who would come who would crush the head of Satan. And now we find Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, and we just read just a moment ago in verse in this chapter that uh, the prophecy not only be born of woman, but would be born of God's chosen people. Born of God's chosen people. Three more in this series, three more worship celebrations that we have coming. Of course, next Sunday on the 19th, uh, on Sunday morning, and then there will be our Christmas Eve service, and then we're going to, we'll still be decorated on the 26th, so we're just going to continue the Christmas celebration and also be looking at five prophecies of the Old Testament, how they relate to the New Testament, and how they relate to us as well. So I want to ask you this morning, we'll find out how honest everyone is. I want to know how many of you, and I guess by a show of hands, how many of you have ever re-gifted a Christmas gift? I've got my hand up. Do I see others? You know, how about that? I asked the first service this morning, and only about a third of them raised their hands. I don't know if it was too early, they weren't listening, or they really are, haven't re-gifted a gift, or... Maybe they're not quite as honest as you are. I don't know, but there was, but maybe you got a gift. Maybe, maybe it was something you received at the Dirty Santa party, and so you just went on to the next party and just kind of handed it on for there. Maybe it's something you really didn't want, so you just kind of got rid of it. Or maybe, just maybe, thinking well of you, you got such a nice gift, you just couldn't keep it to yourself. You had, okay, maybe that's pushing it just a little bit, that uh, maybe that doesn't really happen. Well, I make this statement because I believe. God is a re-gifter because every Christmas season we're able to come once again and open fresh and anew the greatest gift that's ever given and continue to give praise to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe that he wants you to be a re-gifter because you've received the gift. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you've received the best gift there is and that is, of course, the gift of the Christ child died for us, rose again, and he wants you to give it away. He wants you to be sure that other people or aware of the gift and be able to receive that gift. Here's the thing about re-gifting that gift is that the more we give, the more we get. Well, you don't raise your hand for this one, okay? But have you ever made a promise to God that you did not keep? I want to say I know that you've done it because I believe I've done it. We make promises to God over and over. Most or many we may not follow through with, but we keep making them. Lord, I promise to you I'm going to be good this week. Lord, I promise if you get me out of this jam, I'm going to serve you so much. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be a good son or a daughter or husband or a wife. God, I'll never do that again or I'll stop doing this or that. Sometimes you make good on those promises and sometimes not. But I want you this morning to stop relying on the promises so much that you are making, perhaps sometimes on Sundays or at other times, whether they are conditional promises or not. And instead, I want you to rely on the promises that God has made. After all, He already knows that we may not keep all the promises that we make, but we can trust that He is going to keep His. Well, what does Genesis 12 have to do with the Christmas story? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because Genesis 12 is an important and pivotal passage and a prophetic passage about the birth of Christ. Now, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, there's four big events. You know, 
There's the creation story. There's the fall of man. There's the flood. There's the tower of Babel. And each one is kind of one failure after another. The first 11 chapters could be characterized as everything that God has made is good. And then man has blown it. Beginning with chapter 12 and following, in Genesis and even after, instead of events, it seems to be more focused on people because now it begins to be focused on Abraham. And then there's Isaac and Jacob and Joseph as well. And throughout great men and women of God and not any of them perfect, God's going to reveal himself to people and he's going to reveal his love until the ultimate revelation and the birth of the perfect son of God of Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. Abraham, we read just a moment ago, he's called the father of faith because he trusted God and followed God's call in his life, even though he did not know where God was calling him or what God had called him to do. But we've just read several promises that God made to Abraham. He's called Abram here, and I'll probably use those interchangeably for a moment, but these are important promises. In fact, The story of the Bible, the history of mankind is the fulfilling of these promises that we just read in Genesis chapter 12. And we're we're going to see this morning how God fulfilled these promises to Abraham. We're going to see how it is true. He makes seven promises that I counted in here. Most of them began with God saying, I will. Now, not every one of those is actually parallel to what we call the New Testament believer, to things that we are doing today. But the overarching principle of God's faithfulness is, however, we're going to zero in on three promises and see how these promises will determine your direction for the future, your direction of the things that you're going to be facing and how they can be a foundation for us as we continue to seek to move forward. So let's look at the three promises for Abraham to determine the history of mankind and how these promises relate to you and me. Here's the first one. You've got notes here following along or they'll be on your screen. If you keep your eyes open, at least you cannot miss them perhaps. But here's the first promise. God said, I will show you a land and give the land to you. Now it's a promise with a command because he said, go. Genesis chapter 12 and verse one, we read just a moment ago. He said, go, get out of the land, leave your family Go to land that I will show you. Abraham had to be filled with many questions that God was not quite ready to answer yet. Like, well, where am I going? Why am I going? And what am I going to do when I get there? Now, believe it or not, there are some similarities to what was about to happen to Abram and what often happens in our life because Abram did not know exactly where he was going and what life would be like. Maybe like no other time in our history or in your lifetime, Have we been at a place that we're not sure exactly what the future is going to hold? But if you're seeking the Lord Jesus, you're relying on his promises and not your own promises, it's likely that things are going to be different in the future. Okay, even if things are not different, it's likely that you're going to be different in the future because the Lord's going to continue to work on us. As we grow from childhood to youth to uh, young adult to adulthood, uh, we know that what happens in our lives, we know that we seek sometimes to be more independent. We should be independent. But at the same time, if we're going in Christ, we're going to be dependent, relying on God and what he has in store. And in order to do that, you must, like Abraham, often leave something behind to follow what God would have you to do next. So part of our 
journey today is to discover what is it that we need to leave behind. Now, you may not have to leave your family. You may not even have to leave your home. But you, most of if you're going to move forward, you need to leave something behind or you need to be willing to give up anything that is more important to you or has been more important than your relationship with God or leave behind a lifestyle that is not pleasing. It, it's probably true that in order to follow God, we must all leave something behind, but it's something different for everyone, perhaps. You remember the story of the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 10. The rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, have you followed the Ten Commandments? He said, well, I followed these since I was a youth. Jesus, of course, knew his heart and said, well, then this is what you must do. You must sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and follow me. And he went away very sad because he had many possessions. Can I tell you, in our culture today, particularly, there are a lot of rich young rulers, millions perhaps, maybe who would like to have eternal life, maybe who would like to have a relationship with Jesus, but they're not ready to give up that materialism or something else that is keeping them from having the growing relationship with Jesus and having that relationship lead to eternal life because they know him. But understand for Abraham, for us, it wasn't just about what he was leaving behind, but it was about what was ahead. God was asking Abraham to separate himself, not just from something, but to attach himself to someone. He was to attach himself to God. In application, God says that he will show you a land or a better life, you, who are followers of the Lord Jesus, or if you're not yet, you can become a follower of the Lord Jesus, but you must trust him and seek to be obedient. But what you give up does not compare with what you have to look forward to. What's the verse that we often quote in Jeremiah 29, 11, particularly if you just graduated, somebody's probably giving you something with this verse on it. We believe it to be true even when we don't see that things physically changing perhaps, where he says, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. One translation says plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and hope. It is true no matter what your season of life. Now, let's look at what Abraham discovered. Abram and Sarai, by the way, I had no idea how to pronounce Sarah's name before it was changed, Sarai, until we had somebody in this church that was named Sarai, spelled this way. Now I know and say it with confidence. Abraham and Sarai, they were an unlikely couple. Abraham was 75 years old, had no children, married to his half-sister. And there's no indication in the scripture prior to God's calling on him that Abraham had done anything to merit God's favor. And God sought him out, not the other way around, which reminds us that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, it wasn't because you came looking for Jesus. It's because he came looking for you. He chose to seek you out so that you might be able to know him. It could be through your family or friends or church or the, reading the scripture, whatever it was. And so God sought Abraham out and he always takes the initiative. So this is what you should remember this Christmas time as we talk about the birth of the Savior. It is that God took the initiative. Always does. It, the cross and the resurrection as well as the manger in Bethlehem is proof of that. Abraham took small steps of faith before he took large ones. And so he wasn't always perfect at it. Does that give you any reassurance? Small because we're not going be, to be perfect at it. We know that God called him out of the land of Ur and he was to leave all of his family. 
called him out of the land of Ur in Mesopotamia to leave all his family. Now, Ur was thought to be at one time a port city fed by two rivers in the upper Mesopotamia near the Persian Gulf. In fact, it was said about the land where Abraham was living, the land itself was luxuriant. Its rich soil produced corn and date palm crops in abundance. There were apples and grapes, pomegranates, and tamarisk growing wild. I have no idea what a tamarisk is, but it sure does sound good. And he was asked to leave that rich, abundant land across the Arabian desert to presumably a much less desirable place. And Abraham, to his credit, he left Ur. Now he was to leave, he was to leave there, go to this land and leave his family, but he took part of his family. He took his father. In Genesis chapter 11, says his brother had died, so he had become as a father to his nephew Lot, so he took Lot with him. And we can speculate why he was to leave his land and family because they were all idol worshipers. As a matter of fact, Abraham was probably an idol worshiper when God called him. And certainly he was to leave that kind of lifestyle and so that he might be able to learn to rely on God alone. And Abram was partially obedient at first. He left Ur, but he took his father and nephew and stopped in Haran. His partial obedience delayed God's plan, which it always does. In other words... Lord has called you, and if you're not wholeheartedly following him, it will delay God's plan. Or if you, you're believing the Lord Jesus, but you're not necessarily living a Christian lifestyle, it will delay God using you in his kingdom or God giving all the good things that he would like to have in store for you. Now, I guarantee you there are many people here, many of you, who at one time did not have Jesus at the center of your life, and you do now, and you, you put off making God a priority and church life a priority, and you look back and you say, I wish I hadn't waited so long. And while they, while they were here in Haran, Abram's father died, and then they set out again until they come to the land that God had in mind, the land of Canaan, known today as the land of Palestine or Israel. Sometimes we call that the promised land. Now notice something. I've got a point here, and I don't want you to miss it. Don't drift, okay, because I want you to hear this. Listen, notice something. God spoke to Abram first when he was in the land of Ur. As a matter of fact, let's put on the screen Acts chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. Stephen talks about this very thing. He says, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, that's in the land of Ur, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. The land they showed him wasn't Haran, it was Canaan, it was the promised land. So Abram goes from Ur to Haran. You got your Bibles open in Genesis 12. Look at chapter 11 and verse 31. It says this, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son's Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, instead of going all the way to the land of Canaan, the Bible says that they settled there. And then God gave the command again in Haran. Told him once in Ur and in Haran. And then God did not speak to him again. I mean, didn't give further direction until what we read in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. If you drifted some, come back because here's the reason I tell you all this. If you want to know God's plan, if you want to know what to do next, we must know and do what God has already asked of us. God's not likely to give you additional insight into your future 
until you have acted upon that which he has already shown you and that which he has already asked. So, so what's God asked of you? I'm pretty sure if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and you're a Bible-believing New Testament Christian, I'm pretty sure he's already told you about the first and second greatest commandment, love God and love others. He wants you to grow in your relationships, your relationship with God, relationship with other people as well. He wants you to confess sin daily. He wants you to read your Bible, spend time in prayer, do unto others as God would have you to. Does any of this sound familiar? Oh yeah, that sounds like something God has revealed for us too. Well, as we're more obedient, the more he reveals the particulars of his plan for your life. And Abraham is obedient. He arrived in the land of Canaan. And while these places may or may not sound familiar to you, in verse 6 we read he went from Shechem to between Bethel and Ai. In verse 9 he went toward the Negev. It, it means that Abraham took a tour of the land that God would give him and his descendants from the north to the south. It was information that he would have to accept by faith that this would belong to Abraham and his descendants because he didn't have any yet. He's got no descendants. Somebody else is living in the land. Now, what difference could this make to you and I? What, what does this promise to Abraham have to do with us? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Who are the descendants of Abraham? Well, Israelites, Jewish people. Abraham's the first Hebrew. But do you remember what Jesus told us as well as other parts of the New Testament? All those who are believers in the Lord Jesus are actually spiritual descendants of Abraham. So the land that Abraham was showed, who's it belong to if it belongs to his descendants? It belongs to us. Those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus, he gives the same promise to you and I, spiritually speaking, if we know Jesus, to the land of promise. Now I've been to Palestine. I've been there to the land of Israel. It's a nice place to visit, though, that I want to live there. But he has a kind of place in mind, and I think he says, like he did Abraham, I want you to get up, and I'll show you land, and he walks us through it. He says, look at those highest mountain peaks, those mountains of love. There are no greater heights. He says, look at the rolling hills and the green meadows of joy, of peace, the that there's the green pasture, I, the great shepherd, will lead you through it. Look at what's growing. It's vines and vines and grapes of joy. There's nothing sweeter. Look at the slow-moving streams of patience, the trees of kindness, the flowers of goodness. See that mighty, faithful oak that's been there for thousands of years. Look at the birds of gentleness overhead, beautiful to the eyes, pleasant to the ears. And don't worry, I've protected you in the land because there's mountains to the north, there's a desert to the south, there's the great sea to the west and the mighty river to the east. I call this protection self-control. All these are God's promises to you. And if you were paying attention when we were lighting the third Advent candle that's being read from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit from the land of Palestine. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. The promised land will become synonymous. The promise that was given to Abraham in the New Testament now becomes synonymous with walking with Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit is what is produced out of a growing relationship with Jesus. Don't feel like you've obtained these things yet. This doesn't describe you as much as maybe you would like. Well, Abraham gets there and somebody else is living there and not him yet. Well, this is where faith comes in. 
Lord wants to give these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and self-control as we walk with Him. You've got your notes there. Experiencing the promised land life and the fruit of the Spirit requires walking by faith and obedience. It's not perfection, but it's growing in Christ. But the Faith and obedience is what is needed. The, the practical for us is, what is it that you need to leave behind in order to be able to move forward? Or what aspect of your relationship with the Lord Jesus do you know that you need to work on in order to show yourself more faithful and to show more trust in Him? All right, we've got a couple more promises. These next couple won't take quite as long as the first one did. But listen, God said, I will make you a great nation and a great name. God said, I will make you a great nation and a great name. Do you, do you know the story of Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel? All of the people after the flood, they all had one language and they all come together and decided to build a great tower. But the reason for building the tower was completely self-motivated. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4, it says this. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. We know that the Lord came down and was displeased with what they did. They confused their languages. How did people get all over the face of the earth? You're looking at it. He scattered them all over the world. Most people who set out for greatness do not really achieve it according to the world's standards. That is, those who set out to be, uh, play professional ball, become a famous actor or singer or have political success, rise on top of business or being a millionaire or a billionaire. For everyone who achieves those kinds of worldly achievements, there are 999,000 or more who do not. Watch out for those who preach a, that if you're faithful to Jesus, that you'll always be healthy and wealthy and that will be determined by how faithful you are. But I got to tell you, God does have a plan in your life with a guaranteed success rate. Genesis 12 is next to Genesis 11, not by mistake. In Genesis 11, they said, notice there in the middle of the verse, let us make a name for ourselves. But in Genesis 12, God says, I, with an emphasis on God, I will make your name great. For those who are successful in this world, if it is without God, it will be short-lived. It is a greatness that will not last. Abraham would become a great nation, a great people, and his name became great. Three great religions of the world all claim Abraham, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. If the name Abraham means great father or high father, but God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Why was that? Well, because Abram Lincoln sure did sound funny. No, that wasn't the reason. Thank you. Somebody's listening good. But Abraham, Abram means great father. Abraham means father of multitudes, many peoples. And Abraham faithfully followed God and God has made his name great and made him a great nation, many nations in fact, but only one of those who would birth the savior of the world and the hope for the future. For just a few minutes, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to put your plans aside. I mean, put your plans aside for this afternoon, for this week, for Christmas, for 2022. And if you're worried about putting those aside, you can get them back in just a moment. For just a moment. And perhaps I want you to say maybe to God that your, your, your life is a blank piece of paper. 
Lord, write upon my heart whatever you will. Show me the places that you'd have me to go. Show me what you would have me to do and how you want me to do it. If you will do that, God will say, trust me. My plan for you is going to be great. I have great stuff in store that will make a difference and you're going to be great at it. If you will do that, you know what you might discover? You might discover that God has been at work all along. Maybe even shaping your plans and your dreams, particularly if you're a follower of Jesus. And that God is at work even the things that you might enjoy doing and that you can do in order that he might be able to use those for his kingdom work. God wants to take your time and your talents and your gifts and he wants you to be able to use them as part of God's plan for your life and to make a difference in his kingdom. No matter what your season of life, everyone here is a different season of life as a child, young person, college student, or adult. Uh, some of you maybe in 2020, maybe you're starting school or starting school again. Maybe you're starting a new job. Maybe some of you are going through some difficult circumstances in your life. And they may be no different when you leave this place. But the Lord is changing us from the inside out. He wants to do that. And he wants us to continue to change to be more like Jesus because we're part of the people of faith. Notice what Peter said. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. So as a believer, you're part of a people. Remember, Abraham going to be a great nation. Be made among you. Pointing to how is he going to bless the world? It's going to be a great nation. And we're not distinguishable by any land boundaries or even blood relations, but by a common bond that we share a common faith. And we have a calling on our life and a purpose because we have the same Savior and he's given us a great name. So you've got your notes there. As a believer, Jesus has written his name on your heart for all eternity. It's a fact. He's written your name on it. Nothing can change that once you become a follower of the Lord Jesus, once you come into the Lord's family. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus wants to write his name on your heart. And you know that you can accept Christ by faith. You know that you can accept God's grace, ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, ask him to come in. And today, allow Jesus to write his plan as a believer in the Lord Jesus on your heart for the future as well as for today. Let him write his plan. Not for your greatness but for his glory. All right, one more promise. God said, I will bless you, make you a blessing to others, and all families will be blessed. Sounds like three things there, but we'll put them all together. I'll bless you, make you a blessing to others, and all families will be blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be in God's favor. May have nothing to do with health, may have nothing to do with uh, money or possessions. However, Abraham followed God. God blessed him in every way. Called him a friend of God. He blessed him with a family, a child at age 99 and with many possessions. In the next 14 chapters in Genesis of the story of Abraham's life, God blessed him because God blessed him became a blessing to others. In fact, we see that blessing in these verses. Would you look with me again at verse 5? Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5. I want you to notice this, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, all their possessions that they had gathered in the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out go to the land of Canaan. Notice in that 
middle part there. It says, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. Who are those people? Where'd they come from? They were not slaves or servants of Abraham. I think these are people that he'd met in Haran. They just saw Abraham had something good going on. They're going to follow him. My hunch is they weren't just following Abraham, but that they were following Abraham's God. Already Abraham was being a blessing to others and he would be to all generations. Most of you already know how. Through Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus for his descendants where Joseph and Mary and Jesus was born of God's chosen people. So what's the fulfillment? Well, it is being fulfilled throughout all of Scripture, but particularly if you go to the New Testament and you go to the very first chapter, Matthew chapter 1, it says this is the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the very first name mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 2? It's Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and so on and so forth until Jesus. And then Peter in the book of Acts chapter 3 verses 25 and 26. Peter's speaking to some Israelites. He says, you are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your father saying to Abraham. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We just read that in Genesis chapter 12. God having raised up his servant sent him to you first. Born among the Jewish people to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Jesus came to save us from our sins and give us eternal life. I, I can tell you today that you're blessed if you already, if you're a follower of Jesus. And God will continue to bless you in many ways as you follow him. How much God blesses you is not necessarily dependent on how good you are. At least that's how I read it in the Bible. And I can tell you for sure that God has blessed me much more than I deserve. But God's blessings are based on His goodness, not mine. So will you follow God's plan for your life? Not so that you will be blessed, because a lot of times we get that backwards. Will you follow God's plan in your life because you were blessed? And God gives us great incentive in order that we might be able to follow Him. In fact, the psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, your desires might change. They will change as you delight in Him. But it's only in Jesus that you can find what your heart truly longs for. Also, you're, you are to be a blessing to others. And when you become a blessing to others, it multiplies and it could even go beyond your lifetime here on earth. Any of you, any of you know the name of George McCluskey? Let me tell you about George McCluskey, simply because he's been a, he's been a, uh, a blessing to my life. George McCluskey... Uh, was married, followed the Lord Jesus, and he decided that he really wanted to be a blessing to his family. So he was going to spend one hour a day praying for his family. And uh, so he spent an hour every day praying for his family and for three generations. So as years go by, he had two daughters that were born. Those two daughters, two daughters also followed Jesus. They ended up marrying ministers. God bless them. And then from those two families, they had four more daughters and a son, all four daughters married ministers. The son became a minister. And from those, the first two that were born were boys and cousins. They grew up together, went to school together. And while they were in school and college, one of the boys as a sophomore felt like the Lord's calling him to be a minister. The other boy, third generation, well, my, 
he felt some pressure to go into ministry, but he didn't feel called to go into ministry. And uh, eight ministers in the family, you could imagine. But he decided to study psychology. And he studied psychology, and he began to write books. and wrote a lot of books on parenting. In fact, he started a radio program and has been heard on thousands of stations now for a number of decades. And the man's name is James Dobson. One of the people that I paid close attention to, particularly when it came to parenting and family, was James Dobson and focused on the family. Now he does a radio program called Family Talk. George McCluskey has been a blessing to me because of his faithfulness to praise for his family that had an impact on so many. Enjoy God's blessings. You're blessed if you know the Lord. We need to enjoy those blessings and then be sure that we also are a blessing to others and that's by being faithful and trusting in His promises. Matthew chapter 5 and 16, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Look at one more verse. Look at verse 8 that we read a moment ago. There are two things that characterized Abraham's life for the next 14 chapters, the rest of his life. See if you can recognize those in verse 8. It says, From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. For the rest of Abraham's life, he'd be doing two things. Wherever he went, he'd build an altar and he'd worship God. And he would also always be in a tent, even though the land was to be his and to be his generation to come that marked his willingness to go, reminding us an altar reminds us that we too need to worship God and a tent reminds us that we need to be willing to follow God. An altar recognizes worship and a tent, willingness. In fact, it is the mark of true worship. We hope that you always enjoy worship. We hope that you have a great feeling when you come and be a part of worship. But you know, that's not the true mark of success and how we feel or whether we shouted or raised our hands or whatever it was. The true mark of worship is that we've been changed and we're ready to trust Him more and we're willing to follow Him even more. So today, maybe in a new beginning kind of a thing, a new phase in your life, even a new phase in our church of coming into this year, two weeks before Christmas, moving into 22, I want, you to, I want to ask you to come along with me. And let's come along on a journey of faith as we faithfully follow and trust in the promises of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You so much for our opportunity to be in your house and we thank you for this Lord's day and pray that you'll continue to be at work in our lives individually in the work of our church we thank you for this past year how you've walked with us through some maybe some difficult days but at the same time we've seen how many more ways in which you've blessed us and had an opportunity to be part of kingdom work we pray father even now that you may speak to us today and help us to be able to know that we can be a part of a great and wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ, either right here at this church, in our homes, in our community, and even beyond. And we pray, Father, that we may commit ourselves to trusting in you. Let's not make, it's not about our promises, but we trust in your promise. And thank you for the great promise of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to save us, give us eternal life, walk with us, and give us a purpose and a plan. We pray for somebody here that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, somebody listening online that they'll not let this hour finish without calling upon Jesus and asking Christ to forgive them of their sins and asking Jesus to come in. Yes, Lord, we praise you because we know you're going to continue to be at work. 
It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.